Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. If you guys real quick want to open your Bibles to Luke 7, 37, or turn them on, um, we're going to read from there to the end. So it's kind of a lot of scripture, but I mean, here's your Bible reading for the day, guys. Um, So... We're just going to go. We're going to go for it. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Pause for a second. I love this part. I love that he's thinking this. He's questioning if Jesus is even a prophet, not even the Messiah, just a prophet. And Jesus is like, hold up. I'm going to show you something real quick. I'm going to answer what you just thought. And so he says, Simon, He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them would repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom you canceled the larger debt. Hold on. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins, and they are many. And I love that Jesus addresses that because he's wondering, he's like, she's such a sinner. And Jesus is like, I know, but they're forgiven. So she has shown me so much love. But a person who is forgiven little only loves little. And I understand I'm messing up the words a little, but you guys get it. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I love this story. I mean, honestly, I could just be like, okay, leave. Here's the end of the story. You know, the Lord already probably spoke to you through that. But um, when I read the Bible, I read it a little different than some people. Um, I want to know, I know that the Bible is true and real, and I know that this is a real person, right? And so I know that she has a backstory. You know, it'd be like if we told our life story in five minutes. There's so many pieces of our story that isn't told in this. And so when I read the story, I like to dig to see if there's any more details. And this story is in three of the four Gospels. And in the other two Gospels, it's um, she does this right before he gets crucified and she's anointing him. And it says that it is Mary Magdalene who did this. And the other time that Mary Magdalene Magdalene is talked about is in Luke 8, 2. And it says that he took his 12 disciples with him along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. Okay. When you read the scripture we just read 
in Luke 7. Did she seem like a woman who had demons? No, no. She had already been set free from this. And I look at this story and I think, gosh, what an act of just thanksgiving. She was so thankful that she had this life. I'm sure she hated being tormented by the demons. I'm sure she wasn't like, yeah, this is the best life ever. Like she probably hated it. And Jesus came and he set her free. And she was just so thankful for what he did. And um, it also says that she was immoral. And in this time in Israel, morality was such a high virtue. And you could actually be stoned for doing this and being for being immoral. And I love that she didn't care. She didn't care that she had this reputation. She went into a home of a Pharisee who is the highest religious person who could have set her to be stoned in that moment. And she didn't care because she said, you know what? Jesus is worth all of this. And I love that also in one of the other gospels when it talks about this story, it says that the oil was worth a whole year's wage. That's a lot of money. But she saw him so worthy of it. And she said, you know what? I don't care that this is worth a year's wage. You are worth me pouring everything that I have out for you. And when I read this the first time through, I wrote out to the side of my journal and I put, Lord, let me be like Mary, a laid down lover. And that's what she was. She didn't care. She didn't care what anyone else thought because she had had an encounter with Jesus and she knew he was worthy of every ounce of her life. And then in this story, there's also the Pharisee, there's Simon. And I read this and I'm like, gosh, you're so dumb. Like, let's just be honest. I mean, we're being real. Like I read this and I'm like, he missed it. He was, he had Jesus eating at his table. And if you look at scripture all the time, their fellowship is them eating and being together. And He was invited into relationship with Jesus and he didn't take it. And for me, I read that and I'm like, gosh, that is so stupid. Like, come on, this is, you're a Pharisee. Like, you know the word, you know that you want this Messiah to come and here he is right in front of your eyes and you don't even know it. And you're ridiculing this woman who does because she's a sinner or you think she is. And I get so frustrated reading it and then, my heart is hit with a pang because how many times have I been like that? How many times have we been like that? Jesus is right there and we just treat him as common. He treated Jesus like he was common while Mary revered him. She poured everything out at his feet. He didn't give him an ounce of honor when he came into his home. But Mary gave him every ounce of honor because she saw that he was worthy. How many times have we missed Jesus and we've been like Simon? I feel like a lot of us probably here have been saved for a while or you've probably said the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus into your life. And that's an amazing moment when you get that revelation of what Jesus did for you. You probably looked a little like Mary and you probably were weeping at Jesus's feet. Speaking of weeping, what's crazy about that part that like blows my mind is when you cry, like Mary wasn't just like one little tear, right? Like she was sobbing uncontrollably at his feet in order to have enough tears to wipe his feet and clean them. And 
we probably had an encounter with that at least once with Jesus. But a lot of times, once we've had that encounter, we think it's enough. And then we move on to the next thing. And we think, okay, and I feel like this is really preaching to me. So if you get nothing out of it, I, you know, maybe the Lord's just speaking to me. Okay. I went to Bible college and at Bible college, I feel like every day is a theological debate. We're trying to one up the other person and show that I have this better revelation of the Lord and the Lord's shown me this and the Lord's shown me that. And when I read scripture, it comes alive to me like this. And we forget in that moment, we don't even think about Jesus and the cross and what he did. And the sacrifice that Jesus made for us should be a moment of realization, yes, but it should be followed by a lifetime of revelation. We should be every time we hear the story of what Jesus did on the cross for us, it should come alive. It should not be normal. It shouldn't be something that you hear and you say, I've heard that a million times. That's such, I mean, yes, thank you, God. Your heart should be moved because this man paid the highest price for you. He died for you, a sinner, just like Mary. And we treat it as common. How dare we? How dare we do that? Okay, hold on. I have to read for a second. I have to see where I'm at. You see, if Jesus never did another thing for us, what he did on the cross was enough. Because everything that we need was taken care of on the cross. Right? And so I think sometimes we get so caught up in, I need this healing, or I need a promotion at my job so I can pay the bills, or I need to be set free from this addiction. And we forget that if we just turned our eyes back to Jesus, the one who already paid for it, we would have what we're needing. We get so fixated on what he can do for us that we forget it's already paid for on the cross. And if we just kept our eyes on Jesus, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it, he's faithful. And again, I'm so guilty of this because a lot of times I get stuck in, well, you promised me this, you promised me this. But also he promised us our salvation. He promised us forgiveness. And we forget so easily the price that he paid for us to have all these things that we're wanting, you know? And we can't, we can't treat it as common. So I'm going to give you two ways real quick on how to avoid treating Jesus as common. The first is to remember what you're forgiven of. And I think Mary does this so beautifully. When this story happens, the Lord, Jesus had already set her free from demons. And it also says that she was, you know, one of his followers. So she'd been following him for years getting to know him, being in relationship with him. And even in that time she'd spent with him, she hadn't forgotten what he did or what he'd forgiven her of. And I feel like a lot of times when we've spent time with the Lord and we've been saved for a while, we forget what we looked like before Jesus came into our lives. I know I'm guilty of that. And I've been living my life out of, you know, out of the deep, deep sin that I was in before. And I forget just the severity of what he did for me. And I think sometimes we only think about it on like Easter, you know what I mean? And that's not okay. That's not okay. And I also feel like sometimes, at least in my scenario, I know for sure that 
I, I was raised in a Christian home, but we didn't go to church often because my brother and I were in competitive sports and we were never home. And so I, as the time went on, I was a good kid. Like, let's be real. I was a goody two shoe. Like I was teacher's pet. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't have time to get in trouble. I was in like every extracurricular activity you could think of. And so I went to this rally one time um, with a guy I was dating and um, who wasn't my husband, so shouldn't have been there. <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, um, but I went, I went there and I, they did an altar call of salvation and I felt the like Holy Spirit thick, like you need to go get saved. And I remember thinking, but I'm not that bad. Like, like what's, what do I need to be saved of? Like, I'm not doing anything bad, Lord. <laughs> and I think sometimes when we get that mindset, we forget what Romans 3, 23 says. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you're human, sorry, you've sinned. And uh, you need Jesus. That's why he came. And so any sin, any amount of sin separates us from God. No matter how small, how big, it separates us from him. And Jesus came so that we didn't have to live apart from God, yes. right? And Jesus came so that he could empower us not to sin anymore and go on in our sinnings. But, I know sinnings, <laughs> not a real word, Zargos. Um, <laughs> but he came so that we didn't have to go on in our sinning. Um, so... We also sometimes, I think, forget that we don't compare ourselves to others. The Pharisee Simon, he was comparing himself to Mary, and he's like, Psh, I'm way better than that girl. I'm not immoral. I'm not doing all the things she's doing around at night, you know? And Simon, I'm sorry, you're still sinning, you, you know? And probably the worst of all, because you're not recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, um, and you're treating him as common. And... Um, I think we forget that we're not comparing ourselves to others, but to Jesus. And when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we always fall short. That's why we need him. That's why we need his sacrifice that he paid for us. We need it so badly because we always are going to fall short. But I love that what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to die so that you don't have to. I'm going to take all of these beatings and these lashings and everything so that you don't have to so that I can have a relationship with you. Like, what? Wow. Yeah. Why? What? That is just crazy love. But when you think about it, that makes him so much more worthy of everything that we have. And then the second thing is to remember what he did on the cross. I got a little ahead of myself. Um, but what he paid for on the cross, I think in our everyday life, we forget. We forget, like, when was the last time you really, really thought about the price that he paid? I go days without thinking about it, and that's not okay. He didn't die so that I could just treat it as something that's just common, something that just happened, and thank God it happened, right? But he didn't die so that we could just be like, thank you, God, you did so great. Now let's move on. Hey, can I have a baby now? Because I can't. That was me two years ago, you know? And Jesus died and he paid such a high price so that we could have relationship with him, so that we could sit at the table and just commune with him, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could go on and sin no more, right? You see, when we treat the cross as common, 
we treat Jesus as common. And Jesus is not common. Jesus is holy and worthy and righteous and faithful. He is not common. And the fact that we even think it is remotely okay to treat him as common. How many times have we gone into a worship set and been like, God, I've heard this song five times already. No, you are being invited into the throne room. And we just treat it as common. How dare we? How dare we do that? He paid way too high of a price for us to just treat him as common. And just go about our life and say, I said a prayer and that's great and that's awesome. And now I'm getting to heaven. That is not why he died on the cross. He died so that we could be forgiven of our sins, but also so that we could have relationship with him. So that we could commune with him. And when I read this story, I think to myself, I don't want to miss a moment with the Father. I don't want to miss a moment with Jesus or Holy Spirit. The other day, I was at home with my daughter, and we were listening to a prayer set. And the prayer leader said, "Um, I choose to worship you in this moment because I've never lived in this moment before. And I remember that like, oh, man, that's so true. Every moment is a new moment to worship him. Every moment is a new moment to just say thank you. And if you miss a moment, it's okay. You got another moment over here, you know? And, but if we just start thinking that way, you know, my earring's stuck, guys. It hurts. I can't get it out. Okay. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll live. I'll live on. Just tell another day. Um, It's just stuck in. We'll get past this moment, guys. Um, Okay. But so we have to live in that place of, I have this new moment with you, Jesus, and I want to give you all the praise because the, pay, the price that you paid was so high. You were worthy of this moment, and you're worthy of this moment, and you're worthy of this moment, and you're worthy of this worship set, and you're worthy of this morning when I meet with you, and your moment, you're worthy of this moment that I'm changing my daughter's diaper, and you're worthy of this time and when I'm nursing my baby at 3 a.m. and I'm exhausted, and he's worthy, right? And we cannot treat him as common. Another thing is the other day I was here. um, It was a Sunday morning and we were singing and these words just kind of came out of my mouth and is he's worthy of every ounce of my praise for all my days. And how true. A lot of times oil is equated to worship in the Bible anointing and that's exactly what Jesus, or Mary was doing to Jesus' feet. She was worshiping him, pouring it all out on him. Every ounce that she had, every dollar she had, she was pouring it out on Jesus because she saw his worth. She remembered what he did on, well, he didn't die yet, but she remembered that he had set her free and that he'd forgiven her of, our, his, of her sins. And She knew that he was the one who was to come. She knew that he was Jesus. She understood that revelation and she worshiped him unashamedly. Like she had no care in the world who was looking at her. She didn't care. She was going to worship him because he's worthy. And so 
I know this is a short message, but we're going to do just that. Um, I don't even think we need the prayer team up here. You want to come up, baby, whoever, Monica, whoever's going to do the worship. And we're just going to have a chance to remember what he did for us, but also a chance to just give him every ounce of worship because he's worthy. And again, I want to remind you, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. If he never does another thing for you, if he doesn't give you what you're praying for right now here on earth, he is still worthy because of what he did on the cross. He's still worthy of every ounce of our worship because you have a new life because of him. The life that you used to live is gone. You're a new person because of Jesus. And that alone is enough to give him every ounce of worship.